The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. In the last few years, we've seen more figure skaters comfortable coming out like Guillaume Cesaron, Adam Rippon, Eric Radford and Amber Glenn. But it wasn't actually until 2018 at the Pyeongchang Olympics that figure skating had any publicly out Olympians competing. This Pride Month, the LGBTQ plus community welcomed three, yes, three, Olympic figure skaters as, coincidentally, they all came out on the same day, June the 11th. They were Caitlin Weaver, Jason Brown and Paul Poirier. So Nick McCarvel got these three amazing people on a video call to reflect on why they chose this moment to share, why it's more important than ever to do so publicly, and the challenge of finding your authentic true self. Olympic Channel Podcast. June 11th crew. <laughs> Actually, let's start there. The June 11th crew. I mean, Caitlin, how crazy was that day? It was so cool to watch it play out like in real time, right? I didn't think it could get more exciting from me, like after I pressed post, you know what I mean? Um, but then when I would just was like, you know, looking on my page or whatever, I saw Paul and I was just like, oh, Paul. And then later that day, I was like, Jason. And so it just was so exciting um, to feel like we, uh, to feel some connection, you know, that this is such a major thing um, in anyone's life, you know? And, and so I just, I feel so lucky to share it with these two incredible people. Yeah. And Jason, actually you guys FaceTime that night, right? Like, what was that like? Yes. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. It was all Caitlin's doing. Um, what was so neat is I think, you know, that day obviously was so special and Caitlin and Paul were like the, one of the first two people to reach out to me. And so it was like, it was so heartwarming and special and I was so overwhelmed um, with their love and support. And it was just so cool to be a part of it. And then for Caitlin to kind of get us on a group text, say, guys, let's, let's FaceTime, let's get together. It was just a really special moment to share. What was it like for you, Paul? Because, you know, you and I had been talking a little bit offline and it was obviously an exciting moment, I think, for, for you. But then to see it all like play out the way it did, it was really cool. Yeah, I think it was really the most exciting part. Um, I think definitely for me, a lot of the impetus to kind of share a little bit more um, came to just kind of create um, this atmosphere in our sport where talking um, talking about this is normal. And so it was honestly a fulfillment of that in a lot of ways to have three skaters kind of share the same message on the same day. Um, I think also just speaks so much to how much things are changing in the skating world. And I think seeing that happen in real life was just really awesome. Yeah, it was outstandingly awesome. Caitlin, I, I want to read in part from what you posted because you put this very very heartwarming and heart forward post on your Instagram. You said, I've come to a place of acceptance. I identify as a queer woman and this is something I've known for a long time, but was not ready to face. For years, I really hated a big part of myself and that took a huge toll on my mental health, especially when the world stopped and the only thing I could do was look in the mirror. Super powerful, that language. And I'm curious why, why you found that moment in now and what you wanted to accomplish, not only for yourself, 
in sharing what you have, but what I think Paul just touched on it a little bit, what you want to help accomplish for the sport of figure skating and maybe for the Olympic movement as a whole. I think, you know, I've, I've always worn my heart on my sleeve and um, I really enjoy connecting with people in every way. So when I decided, you know, made the decision to come out, um, I wanted to tell a part of my story, you know, and I just felt like it's a way if it were if it was going to be a way to help people feel like maybe they're not alone, then I was going to do whatever it takes, you know, and and honor what I've been through, too, um, which is something that I never wanted to do. And, you know, when I was growing up in skating, we always had to put on this facade of everything's amazing and we're doing great. And, you know, we just it wasn't encouraged to really open up, um, especially if those things were, you know, like perceived weakness. So I just want to be a part of the group going forward saying, you know, we're all human here. And um, and I think that that really helps to um, humanize skaters, athletes, mental health, queerness. You know, it's just something that we all can share together and no one should have to go through that alone. I thought it was interesting because, Paul, the way that you shared your story was a little bit maybe different from Jason and Caitlin, but these very, you know, longer sort of thought out posts up. And and you put up sort of a short statement about being queer in figure skating. I don't know if I can say exactly kind of where where the impetus um, came from necessarily. I find a lot of the changes that have happened in my life have really been around just allowing myself to be more transparent, to be that person that wears their heart on their sleeve a little bit more. As Caitlin said, that's not my nature necessarily. Um, but it's something that I found in my relationships with my family, with my friends, with the people around me, with my, um, with Piper, with my coaches. Um, I've always found that having those conversations where I sort of have to reveal parts of myself to just build a lot of trust and actually make me feel better um, and usually strengthen the relationship. So I, I found in general, that's been a change that I've slowly progressively been making in my life in general. And I think this is just a little bit of an extension of that. So just making that conversation a little bit more public. Yeah, I also, I found it so moving, Paul, I read in your post um, that you were considering your role with the upcoming year, you know, with it being an Olympic year differently. Um, and I found that very moving, like, okay, like I, I just, I think that has so much honor, courage and pride um, to step forward knowing, um, you know, the amount of exposure that you will get with this upcoming year. And can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. Oh, Caitlin's becoming a journalist. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I think my mindset, I think for a long time, um, I've, I've very much had this notion um, in general that my, my life as a skater is my life as a skater and the rest of my life is the rest of my life. And I've, I've kept those things really separate. Uh, and that's just kind of become a habit now and it's comfortable. And I think for a long time, my mentality was always, well, if I share this bit of myself, whether it's something like this or whether it's something like, ooh, look at this like really nice plate I'm having for dinner that I made. Uh, my mentality is often like, why would anyone care about the mundane things of my life? Um, and I think with sort of the pandemic 
um, has, has given me a lot of time to think and reflect. And I think I've started to realize, no, actually, like these, these things do affect people and they have impacts on people. And um, I think knowing just kind of how big an Olympic year is, this is kind of my, uh, you know, this will be my third kick at the can now. Um, I think I'm very aware of the um, power that athletes have to sort of share. And we've seen so many athletes make really strong statements um, that have really resonated in public ways. And I think just by following the example of people that have made really, done really amazing things um, before me, um, I, I think I felt a little bit more empowered to share knowing that it would have an impact versus thinking like, this is, this is trivial. The thing too I love for each of you is how different all of this played out. And I think it sort of speaks to the individuality of queer people is that everyone is so different. And Jason, you especially paid credence, each of you did, but Jason, it was really important to you, it seems like, for to talk about the people that have come before you and the queer influences. I wanna read a part of your statement. I've always been shown the beauty in embracing love in every form. I never questioned my own sexuality or even thought much about it because it didn't matter. I am who I am and have always been fortunate to be surrounded by people who made me feel like that was enough. And it feels to me like this was your chance to show other people that you had this great community around you that gave you the chance just to be Jason. No, I mean, absolutely, I think, the words that you spoke that I wrote is exactly how I felt. You know, growing up, I was so fortunate to be around countless members of the LGBTQ plus community of all generations. Um, my parents had a lot of gay friends. My coaches, a lot of them were gay growing up. I was just, I have multiple relatives that identify um, as part of the LGBTQ plus, you know, community. So there were, I was just surrounded by it. and. Every single person, you know, was different. Every single story that they had was different. The story of them coming out, the story of acceptance, the story of love. But for me, I've only been shown the love and the beauty in it. Um, and so I was at that place, you know, kind of like what Caitlin was um, describing about the pandemic. I think for me, I was always just so super focused on the sport. I really, like I mentioned, I didn't really think much about my sexual identity because it did not matter to anyone around me. Um, and I, you know, was, when we were locked down, I was, you know, we were all forced to kind of see what was going on with social justice and racial inequalities and all these different things in our lives surrounded with discrimination. And I think it, it was that moment of reflection of like, oh my gosh, it's because of everyone and the people that I've been surrounded by that I never thought that this was still a thing. They had normalized it to such a high degree, which I'm so grateful for, that I never questioned it. And I think during that time, so many people had so many heartfelt conversations and spoke so eloquently about their experiences. And I think once I heard them and listened to them, I realized the importance of of how this is not the norm for so many. And so from that point on, I really made it a point that entire year to brush up and learn more about it all. I took 
classes in school on gender and leadership and about representation in the media. And I took classes on American politics. Like I really tried and my class ended, um, one of my classes ended at the end of, uh, at the beginning of June. And I remember one night I couldn't sleep and I was thinking it was, it was Pride Month and I wrote that statement, the whole thing within five minutes. It was just like, I couldn't sleep one night. I wrote something down. I was like, I'm just going to get it out there. I had been writing so many different papers on all these different aspects um, throughout the year with the classes that I was taking. And so it just unfolded before my eyes. And I woke up that morning. I was like, mom, I think I'm going to publicly come out. Like It like felt right. I was like, this is so strange. It was just like everything went on paper. And um, yeah. And then it was just a week later that I ended up posting it. It's kind of crazy, too, because it's like the beauty and the beast of the community that you were around, right? That you felt like so accepted and you're, you know, you were telling me about your mom and how supportive she's been and you have this great family around you, but it almost made you like, well, what do I need to do? Because I already feel this. I mean, it seems like you had this realization, as you say, within that COVID time. No, it's 150% what you said. I honestly, I didn't think it was anything to be discussed, not because it wasn't important to me just because it really wasn't a topic of conversation um, in my life. And everyone, I was always myself. I never felt like I was hiding anything um, or I carried this burden that I know so many people feel. Um, I really was in a place where I could be absolutely anything. And I felt that unconditional love from everyone that I was around. Um, so really, it was that moment of realizing it is because the people that have come before me, it's because the people that have spoken out that I feel that I'm in the position that I am. And I think that for me, that post was much more, like you said, a thank you to them um, and a re realization of it is because of those that have come before that I feel so accepted. And it's not something that I fear or I'm ever concerned with. I wanted to go to Caitlin next year, but Jason, you just said something and Paul, I want to touch back on, I was reading your statement and talking about, you know, as we do this podcast, you've got three figure skaters who have come out. And I think maybe some people would, would shrug their shoulders at, you know, so what? Figure skating has long been a sport that's been quote unquote more accepting than you could look at the NFL who just had their first openly gay athlete, active athlete come out. But Paul, I feel like in that Glory article, you did a really good job of addressing that that's not necessarily the case. And that actually it's maybe a, a double-edged sword that it becomes even more of a challenge to try to speak your truth in a sport like this. Yeah, I guess I'll, I guess I'll sort of reiterate. I mean, I think, I think it's really surprising um, to think of the stereotypes that we have about figure skaters, especially male figure skaters, and to think that we had our first openly gay competing athlete, when was it, 2015, some, something around there, um, which is not very long ago, um, despite, as I said, all the stereotypes that exist. And I think that speaks to um, the pressure. And I, I, again, I can't, um, I can't necessarily speak for everyone and everyone's experiences, but I think there is, for me, I definitely felt this pressure for a long time that um, fitting the stereotype was some sort of failure and sort of erased my individuality um, in a kind of way because I just kind of fit the mold, fit the stereotype, and, that, and that's who I was. And so I think for me, a lot of the struggle when I was younger 
came came from that of wanting to differentiate myself and still feel like I was like this in, unique individual person um, with agency and my own identity. And I think for me, that was a thing I really had to work through. And I think it's, um, and I think too, this is something just outside of sport um, that queer people have to deal with all the time um, is that there are so many flavors of being queer and each person is an individual and doesn't just kind of like go in this box. Um, and my fear was to just end up in that box and to, to kind of not be my own person. And I had to, I had to really work through that. Um, and I, I think that's kind of what happens with skating sometimes. I think that said, you know, definitely we've had in the last few years, definitely more coming out than a lot of, um, sports. And I think there's a lot of progress that's happening with this movement within figure skating. And that's really exciting. And hopefully we'll see that reflected in more sports as we kind of, um, hopefully lead the way a little bit. Absolutely lead the way. And I, it's, it's also intriguing to me, you know, for, for the men in the sport and then Caitlin for the women, I was watching your interview that you did with the CBC uh, talking about how figure skating, there's obviously the judged aspect of the sport and especially within ice dance of how do you, how does this movement help start to move the sport forward? And obviously there are these great traditions that people want to honor, but I think a little bit you're challenging those norms that we've seen exist in figure skating for so long. Yeah. Um, and just to backtrack a little bit, um, you know, for me, coming out was not something that I've seen, you know, for women. Um, and so that felt like it was really hard. <laughs> you know, it felt like it was the mountain um, to climb. And I was like, is this going to be me? Am I going to, you know, is this, am I going to be, you know, part of this group? And, you know, I can count how many queer women I know in figure skating on one hand ever in history, you know, so like that have been out, that are out. So it was something that I felt was extra important for me to be visible um, because it was like, if I'm living here and, you know, living this life as now an accepting queer woman, I got to stand up and, 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 you know, show people, show especially women in the sport that um, it's not, you don't have to fit the mold. And, and I think that's the, that's the overwhelming theme here is that stereotypes are, can be so hurtful. And, um, but, you know, figure skating has room for everybody, no matter who you are and what you identify as. Um, but in regards to ice dance, it was confusing for me because, you know, you put a man and a woman on the ice together, you want to see something happen. You know, your audiences are looking to be part of a story. Um, and so, that was something that came very easily for Andrew and I. We have a great chemistry. We're the best of friends. We're very, very close. Um, so then understanding where my personal life fit into that puzzle was very confusing. Um, and it was something that I wasn't really willing to look at and think about um, because I was just so always so kind of focused on doing my job, you know. Um, but... I think, especially in ice dance as well, even though we're all judged in figure skating, um, 
you know, a lot has to do with what people think of you. And um, even you can show up to an ice dance practice at six in the morning and all the girls have their makeup on and they're beat for the gods. And, you know, it's, it's all about the aesthetic. It's about the fantasy. So thinking that I was different in any way was something that really made me nervous. So, you know, I just want to be here and say, it's okay if we're different. And usually what makes us different is something that is our greatest gift. And um, so, you know, how, because I'm a queer woman, I look at the world differently. You know, how I live my life is different. Um, and I'm learning now to look at that as something to be very proud of. Uh, Jason said this earlier in the interview. I don't remember exactly how long ago. And Caitlin just said it is really this mentality of, I just need to do my job. Um, and I think there really is this culture in sport, and I know this is not just in figure skating, but in every sport, there's very much this culture of you show up at the rink or the training center, whatever you're doing, and you leave your humanity at the door. And then you're just kind of like this, this athlete machine that is supposed to work hard and it doesn't matter how you feel and it doesn't matter if you're tired and it doesn't matter if you're going through something personal. And we all work under this mentality all the time. And it's kind of instilled into us at a very young age that you kind of, you leave the rest of your life at the door and then you're just athlete self. And then when you leave, and I think it's a really problematic mentality um, because we feel so much pressure to need to be strong all the time and to need to keep all those things at bay that then we don't allow ourselves to actually process um, what we're going through and process those things in the world as a skater. And especially as figure skaters, we're, we're performers, we bring our emotions to what we're doing, we bring our experiences to what we're doing. And it's very easy to kind of leave, leave those things out a little bit um, as we perform. And so I think it's really important to challenge this mentality, whether it comes to sexuality, but also a lot of other things. I think there's been such a great conversation around um, Naomi Osaka's um, um, sort of choosing not to do media at the French Open. Um, for her mental health. And I think that's such a powerful statement to come from an athlete to be able to say, I am not okay. And I'm putting these boundaries around myself to protect myself as a human. And I, I think that's, those are the kinds of conversations we need to have more and more as athletes to remind people that we are, we are people, we are humans first and foremost. Um, and as much as what we do requires a lot of grit, it requires a lot of skill. It requires a lot of training and it requires a lot of pushing past what we feel our limits are, um, we are still human in the end. And I think that's the thing that we need to keep reminding people of. I was looking at all of each of your posts and they get thousands of likes and hundreds of comments. And I'm just wondering for you, Caitlin, especially as a female in this sport and representing that side of things for as much as you can, being able to understand some of the responses that you've had. You don't have to share them in particular, but young girls, young women around the world who I think you're really breathing life into a space that as you say, it's only it's only really been a few before you that have been able to, to make this journey. Yeah, I, I honestly have to catch my breath after hearing that um, because it just does feel so powerful and I'm so grateful for that um, to be given the platform and the opportunity to be that person or join the group, you know, the small group of women that have moved forward, step forward. Um, but I think I find the most moving um, feedback comes from parents uh, saying, hey, my 
queer child just came out to me. Um, I have a young daughter who's in skating who now doesn't feel like she's alone. Um, my son is trans and your visibility is so meaningful. You know, it's, it's those types of, it's those types of, uh, messages. I think in addition to all of them, they're all special, right? We're all valid. We're all special, but those that really hit hard because, you know, it's, it's the youth, you know, and, and it's the, the support system saying, you know, we're here for our kids and, and thank you for being a role model. Um, that was, that was big. And, and just people reminding me that this was something of courage, you know, that I have to remind myself like that this is a big deal, you know, and, and, um, and I just feel very grateful to be, you know, here to do that. Caitlin, that's wonderfully said. And I'm curious from your perspective, cause you have stepped away from competing is can figure skating evolve? Can it figure out a way to, change with the times and understand a lot of what we're talking about today and will we see that reflected on the ice it has to um and i think it is you know i think it is evolving just us sitting here having this conversation right now is is huge <laughs> um and uh the work that especially the north american federations are doing to try and um spread the spread awareness and um you know just the idea that we're all that we all belong here and that it you know can be a safe space um i think we have a lot of work to do to make it that and paul and i are actually on the skate canada edi working group equity diversity and inclusion to make sure that um, we're doing the right things to help our country move forward in the, in the safest and most inclusive way um, but if skating is going to be part of the 21st century it has to move forward and um, i think there's a lot of people that love this sport so much that are going to pull it along and, um, and lead the way. And I'm very proud to, um, you know, join the group to be one of those people. Well, thank you for your work. Um, I'm proud just to be part of this conversation today with the three of you. I want to close out here, Jason and Paul, Jason, I'll start with you. How is training going? We are recording this in late June. Obviously it's pride month. Um, it's only a, a few months to Beijing and the qualifying process that'll happen before. How's how's it all going? <laughs> oh, the crazy part is like what you just said. It's only a few months away. I don't know where the time has gone. It's insane. Um, honestly, I just am so in love with the process of it all. Um, I'm so happy up here training up in Toronto. Um, it's been really, really exciting. I think for me, it's been this four year. Well, not, all it's not four years yet, but when I moved up here, we talked about this four year journey and kind of working step by step with my coaches to work towards the, you know, getting back on the Olympic team. And so I think that it's so crazy that I can see, you know, that end goal in sight. And so I'm at that point where I'm now taking everything I learned and I'm putting it into these two programs that we have really developed. Um, and they're two programs that are so special to me. They mean so much to me. Uh, and I cannot, and we're taking all the things and everything that I learned from the coaches and really putting them all into these programs. So it's really, really exciting. And every single day I go into the rink with the biggest smile on my face. So excited to work on them um, and make them stronger. And I cannot wait for the fall to debut. I don't wanna say debut, but debut because I guess I'm technically kind of reusing some, but debut the new and improved and reinvented uh, programs that you think you've seen before. 
Yeah, centerman and shinner's list, right. And the ice will melt underneath you. Like whoever skates after you will skate on pavement <laughs> because of how beautiful these programs you know, are. I am I am really excited. It's been cool. I re uh we re choreographed Sinnerman a bit with Roheen. So it's it's just another level up that we worked so hard uh to develop. And then Schindler's list is also uh I think you'll everyone's in for a treat because it we've also reinvented that, mixed out some of the music. It's different, but uh the emotion is there and my heart is with both of these programs. It's actually been really nice in a way to go through this entire off season without any distraction um, whatsoever. And I've really enjoyed this process. This season, we, we've been for the last two months, we've sort of booked our own ice and we've been choreographing like on completely empty ice. So just um, Piper and myself and our two coaching choreographers, Carol Lane and Yurisaz Glyavs. And it's just been such a great process, um, sort of in the same, way as Jason, both programs we feel are really a culmination of the work that's happened over the last four years. Um, and I am really excited to actually be able to do the programs properly so then I can show them to people. I don't feel they're at that place yet, but you know, it's, it's June, it's still very early in the season. Um, but I think both pieces are, are truly a, a reflection of who Piper and I are as people and as performers and as skaters. Um, and so knowing that this is the Olympic season, it's that one time every four years where tons of people actually care about what we're doing. Um, there's nothing better than being able to bring sort of what's, what's quintessentially us um, to the sport. So I'm really excited to show it. I'm really excited for the season. I think the Grand Prix get announced in a few days. Um, so everything sort of feels like it's um, materializing and being real. And that's such a nice feeling after, I think, the uncertainty of the last year and a half. Caitlin, I want to close with you. Uh, you've had this really cool initiative called Open Ice, which you did last year. And I think you're doing it again this year. Can you just tell people about Open Ice and how they can get involved? Yeah, Open Ice started last year during the pandemic. Um, 60 figure skaters came together on a live stream to raise money for the UN Foundation. And I created it and hosted it. And it was crazy and fun and, and inspiring to come together as a, as a community um, because we are so expansive and so generous and so loving, um, but rarely do we come together for one common goal. So um, after that, I wanted to keep the momentum going. And so this year um, I've created a short film um, highlighting four of skating's biggest game changers, Scott Hamilton, Adam Rippon, Kira Korpi, and Elaj Balde, and filmed them on the ice and off, telling their story and understanding where they came from and how they got to the place that they did to really create so much impact. Um, the ticket sales are going to each of their charities that they either founded or are affiliated with. And we're really just trying to um, spread awareness and bring this community together again. And I think that um, if we, can do that, I think the sky's the limit. And um, so you can visit openicecollective.com um, for tickets and info and the stream is uh, July 3rd. So I look forward to having everybody there and um, just share, you know, and, and 
connect and uh, see this beautiful community come together again. It's a really cool initiative. And, you know, oftentimes when you when I speak with Olympians who are past their competitive career, it's kind of like, what, what are you up to? That's what Caitlin Weaver's up to everyone. It's pretty cool. Jason Brown, Paul Poirier and Caitlin Weaver, happy pride. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Olympic Channel Podcast. Massive thank you to all the skaters. Happy Pride. Huge thanks to Nick McCarvel as well. That's it for now. Stay safe, stronger together, and we'll see you very soon. Think like an Olympian. Olympian.